going to be sharing with us a piece of her story. It needs to get a lot shorter. Okay, thank you. So, like he said, my name is Rachel Conrad, and um, I've been coming to Good News. Actually, um, I started a couple weeks after the service started, so this um, the series started um, has covered my entire time at Good News, which has actually been quite apropos since First um, Corinthians settles. Um, completely around. It centers around Christian community, and that's what I came looking for. Um, I moved to Chicago from Florida to attend grad school at DePaul last August, and it took me a few months of church searching before I walked in here. Um, I saw an active community that very first day, and I've blessed, been blessed to see it directed towards me several times since. Um, so, I've spent the last few weeks, well, last week since they asked me, going over my notes from the last several months, and I saw such a clear theme repeated over and over again. The message and hope of the gospel reaches in to us individually, around to others in our church community, and out to everyone else in our daily lives outside these doors. In to us individually, around to people right here next to you, and out outside this building. And that right there is exactly what my heart longs for, a community of believers within which I live a love-filled, purposeful life that has eternal divine significance to myself, to the people here, and to everyone outside these walls. You hear the theme here? But that's it, right? Isn't that the point? That we live this life that has divine significance because it's about the power and in grace of the gospel, reaching into us, doing something, reaching around, and reaching out. A little bit about me. I grew up surrounded by church community, and I asked Jesus into my heart when I was four years old. My mama tells it that I pounded on the bathroom door, and I told while she was in there using it, and told her that I was ready, and it was right now, and I had to ask Jesus into my heart right now because this was the time. If you know me, that's very fitting of just, like, my life, like, some things of time, and, okay, we're going to do it right now, and I'm very excited about that. So that's how my relationship with Jesus started when I was four. Um, and then pretty much I grew up spoiled by tight Christian community from there. Um, in youth group, in, um, through my college days at a Christian university, and that's where I learned to love mentoring and discipleship. Um, After college, I moved to Vienna, Austria to teach on the missions field, um, to teach English at an international Christian school there. We had kids from all around the world, and it was there that I found the joy and grace of deep, authentic community. I have been on a quest most of my life to what does it look like to actually live in community that's real, that is seeking Christ together that isn't fluffy and shallow and just does the, like, American culture, like, oh, I'm great, thanks for asking. My life's falling apart, but I'm not going to tell you about that, and the smile is really big. Like, what does it look like to get beyond that, to have an authentic community? Well, no, maybe it's not about oversharing. That's always a balance, too, but it is about doing life together, honestly. Um, in, in, in Vienna, at that little Christian school with all of us missionary teachers there together, that's where I found it. And life was messy and hard and good, and we did it together. My last year in Vienna as a missionary was also when I had my first panic attack. 
My mama, who has been my best friend in my, my entire life, had a degenerative muscle disease and was growing worse, and my family was also in severe financial stress. There were so many factors that I couldn't control, and fear crept in. But the community of believers in Vienna surrounded me, and I, I learned what it was like to fully rely on the community of God that it wasn't just about my relationship with my heart to God back and forth, but that when things got rough, it was about the community coming around. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 27 says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I knew what that verse looked like, lived out firsthand in Vienna. And then I moved back to the States five years ago. And things got hard in ways that they never had been before. My community was gone, and no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't seem to build another one that felt authentic, like it could handle the hard stuff. And slowly... I started to isolate and close in. Maybe some of you guys know what that feels like. Two years ago, we lost my mama, and then the church I had invested deeply in wasn't able to provide the support I so desperately needed at that point, and I became lost in isolation. One of my favorite worship songs says, Hungry, I come to you, for I know you satisfy. I am empty, but I know your love does not run dry. Broken, I run to you, for your arms are open wide. I am weary, but I know your touch restores my life. But what about when you don't know for sure? What about when you doubt? His promises are true and steady. They don't change. But what about when our ability to rest in those promises seems to vanish for a time? And what about when it's not for a day or a week or a month? What then? I think the answer personally lies in the central message of 1 Corinthians. The hope of the gospel is for us individually, and we are given community to enact that hope when we can no longer hear it. During that time, I felt betrayed and abandoned by God, and that time lasted a while. And in that process, a wise counselor asked me, So, Rachel, you're saying God doesn't protect you from suffering. Nope. Okay, then. If you're going to suffer, if God's there, and you're also going to suffer if he's not there, Okay, true. Then your choice is whether or not you're going to let him into the suffering with you. That made sense to me. And at that point is when I started to choose God again and started to be that vulnerable risk. Like, okay, God, I don't know if you protect me. I don't know if it's going to get better, but I don't want to do this without you. I think the same can actually apply to community. No, community won't stop us from suffering, and in some cases, it can even play a role in causing our suffering. But suffering will happen at some point, regardless of whether we're in community or not. And so our choice is whether or not we're going to let God love us through his people. Whether or not we're going to deny Satan the power of isolation. Whether or not we're going to risk the possibility of betrayal and throw ourselves into the authentic community that God designed his body, the church, to be. C.S. Lewis once described hell as a place fully absent of the presence of God. And that's what makes it hell. The only joy and peace and comfort we ever feel on earth is because of the lingering, active presence of God. Denial of that presence is denial of all hope, all satisfaction, all comfort. It makes sense, doesn't it? 
And the presence of God is found within the three areas emphasized in 1 Corinthians, planted deep within each of one of us in loving other believers. Um, well, in both our triumphs and our mess, and in the outpouring of love and hope outside this building. Sometimes healing and rescue from suffering is instant, and sometimes it's a long and depth process. And I'm still in that process. Being at Good News is a continual part of that journey for me. I'm choosing to enter back into church community, to dare to risk again, to trust again. And in the last months, as several of you have loved me so well and walked along this journey with me, my trust in God and in this community he's given me has continued to grow. God continues to whisper his hope to me. But the thing is that when Aaron asked me if I would come up here and talk, and I instantly thought, you know, um, the reason why I decided to wasn't really because I wanted you to know all the details of my life. It's because I thought maybe I'm not the only one. That maybe I'm not the only one who would rather often stay home than walk into a crowded building. That maybe I'm not the only one who smiles instead of sharing what's really going on. That maybe I'm not the only one who thinks that everybody else has it way more together than I do. And that that idea keeps me quiet and keeps me isolated. And I'm tired of it. Because that's what Satan uses to keep us apart. And in my time here, and as I've had conversations with people, I've realized I'm not the only one. That that echo in my heart is echoed in yours as well. And I've heard it and I've seen it. And we are called to be the body. Not in some lovely little analogy that works really good for like a poster. But in the kind of way that authentic life sustains us. That when we can't feel and hear the love of God, that there's other people around us. And some of you maybe feel how I do. And maybe the people who feel it most aren't here right now. So let's reach out. Let's love each other well. Thank you for doing that with me and to me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good news. Uh, my name is Christopher Morgan. Uh, please call me Chris. Uh, I'm 41 years old. I have a 20-year-old uh, son who, if he's not lying to me, he still be a junior in college this uh, coming up in August. Uh, in light of uh, 1 Corinthians, I wanted to talk about my uh, transformation. Uh, I came to Christ inside of a prison cell. Uh, now, I don't want to leave you hanging, so let's, let's go back. Uh, in 1997, I was working at uh, Osco Drugs as a pharmacy technician. And, uh, you know, I just, I was being greedy. I felt like, uh, man, I, I felt my pockets. I'm like, I ain't making enough money. So I come up with this bright idea that, okay, I just sell drugs on the side uh, along my full-time job at Osco. So I, I started, it don't, it, it's not, it, you know, I'm from the south side, it's not hard to find drugs anyway, anyway, but uh, I started, things was going well, so I thought, and, uh, but it didn't take long, I think I had like a, a, a three week, uh, maybe three weeks run, you know, I, everything was feeling good, I had money in my pocket, new gym shoes, what have you, but I got, uh, to put it mildly, I got approached by some guys down the street, 
apparently I was uh, probably so, you know, I didn't care. I probably, uh, I was accused of uh, stealing their customers. So it was not a pleasant conversation. Uh, it was an argument. It was a fight that ensued. And what, not bragging about it, maybe they should have known that I didn't, I wasn't just out there selling drugs. I also carried weapons. So after they jumped on me, I broke free, and I shot both of them. Unfortunately, uh, one of them died. Now, to go a little fast, I know we, run, we don't have too much time, but you know, I ended up in the county jail. Uh, definitely wasn't saved back then. So uh, going through the motions of the county jail, the county jail is horrible. If you've ever been there, don't ever go there. Uh, ended up getting uh, 30 years in prison. And then I, uh, obviously I went to the uh, Illinois Department of Corrections. Now this whole time, uh, at this time I was still bitter. I was still, you know, my family felt the same way. They said, man, if these people wouldn't have messed with you, you wouldn't have to deal with what you did. But later on in life when I got saved, I realized that I shouldn't have been there in the first place. So I can't justify bad behavior and say, you know, if they wouldn't have bothered me. But I did feel that way at the time. Uh, made it to prison. Uh, one thing I did do, and this was kind of weird, I, I look back on it now. Uh, when I got on the bus to go to the uh, to actual prison in Illinois, uh, I dropped my gang ties. I just said, and that was kind of tricky because when you go in prison without being hooked up, it's a notion that you'll be taken advantage of, you know, if you ain't got nobody to say, hey, I'm part of this group or part of that group, but for some reason, I ended up dropping my gang tag, so I went into prison as they call it being a neutron. So I was seeking. I had a Bible, and I was seeking, but I really wasn't. I'm reading it. I'm trying to read it. I'm not understanding. I don't have the Holy Spirit in me at the time. So I don't what is this? So I'm steady reading, but I end up in prison, uh, staying out of trouble. Anyway, I transferred to a, a medium security prison, and I went into a cell with this. Uh, I, I went into a cell with a stranger. I didn't know him. So the first conversations we was having, he was like relentless. He was on me. He was, it's, you know, he was like, uh, so uh, what you, you, you know anything about Jesus Christ? So I said, well, I know a little bit. I'm seeking. I'm searching. So he said, you know what? On Saturday morning, we have a Bible study. Why don't you come? So I said, okay, that's fine. So I go to the Bible study. I'm seeing all these new people. I don't know these guys. And uh, he introduced me like, yeah, this, he just, like I say, he's relentless. He's, this is a potential brother in Christ. This is Chris. They all nice. They pleasant. But again, I don't know any of you guys. Who, who are, you know, you, you, I don't know. So it was a nice thing. Uh, so then we go in the cell. Then he said, okay, uh, you know, we got Sunday church service. So why don't you come to service with us? I said, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to, you know, I'm trying to do something different. Again, I'm looking at, the, I don't know this dude, kind of weird. What's up? You know, so uh, I go to church. We have a nice service. We have another Bible study on the deck afterwards. So later on that night, he talked to me again. You know, we talk, we're in the cell together. So uh, he said, uh, Chris, would you like to, you know, after all you done heard, all this searching you're doing, would you like to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? He prayed with me. And just like that, I was saying two days knowing him. Uh, this was uh, June 13th, 1999. And I never looked back. Uh, one thing that didn't happen, though, is the, you know, the next day, you know, it's the next day, I'm saved one day. 
the warden didn't come in and say, okay, Chris, you said you can go home now. <laughs> it, it didn't work that way. I had 13 more years to go. So I'm like, wow. But, uh, you know, uh, coming back, I'm thinking, like, from the time I was in the county jail, like, how do you go from uh, being a student at UIC to go into the pharmacy program to being an inmate in Cook County with charged with murder and attempt murder? So I was devastated. It was, it was like, it was, it was tragic. I was like, well, this got to be rock bottom. So now I'm in prison, saved, fellowshipping with the brothers, getting stronger every week, every month. I do like being in a uh, classroom setting. So I went to work in the daytime while I was in prison, and I went to college at night. I uh, ended up getting my associate degree. That's as far as you can go at the time. And, you know, I was just getting strong in the Lord as, as time. Now, Thinking about it, you know, it's easy to be saved. It's actually easy to be saved in prison. There's a lot of distractions you don't have to worry about. I can read my Bible more. There's no women around. You know, it's just it's just simple life. Uh, but continued on. Uh, got stronger. Uh, built a lot of relationships with brothers. Sharing the gospel. Uh, being involved with the church. So it came time to uh, obviously get out. And we talk about... Uh, the challenges that uh, former inmates have getting out. And you can try to, glo- you can pretend like you can gloss it over, like, well, I'm saved, so the job's going to say yes when I get there. You know, it, it didn't really happen that way. But anyway, uh, made it through, didn't get into trouble. Uh, got out, I came home. I've been home since November of uh, 2011. So I've been home for a while. Uh, Bounced around a little bit, uh, ended up in a uh, post-prison ministry that didn't work out, ended up at Breakthrough Urban Ministries on the west side. It's a great place. They, they took me in, they heard my story, and, and they took me in, and I, I was able to get on my feet there, and that's what brought me here. Uh, I paid rent across the street at Salem Mission Home, and uh, they gave me a brochure uh, at Breakthrough and say, hey, check this. Because the, the purpose of Breakthrough Open Ministries is to try to get men on their feet so they can live on their own. Uh, I got common sense. I just didn't have, you know, I didn't have uh, cash flow at the time and the jobs was kind of flaky. So uh came over here. And, 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 and another component of this is I started off talking about transformation. It doesn't just happen. It's people along the way that you meet that helps you. And, and, and I wouldn't be here today without a lot of people's help. So the first person I meet, of course, going to Salem Mission Home is Fabiola. Now, I lay out my whole thing. I'm talking about, you know, it's not, I talk about it. It's, it's hard to write down first-degree murder on a sheet of paper every time you've got to apply for something. I don't think about it until I actually have to tell somebody about it. Uh, so, you know, I laid everything out to Fabiola. I don't know. She might be like, you're not getting in here. I'm like, what is you, crazy? So, you know, um, but she was gracious. If she was concerned, she didn't let it on at the time. And, uh, you know, she called me back and said, you was approved. Now, I don't know who else she had to go through, but I know right there she could have said no herself. She's the first line of defense. So I am, will ever be and forever indebted to her. And then, of course, I bump into Benny Ortiz. And uh, over, the, over the years, they've been sort of like my, uh, you know, a confidants. I, I bump things up against them. I talk about them. It, it was a time when I was laid off from a previous job. And, you know, when you work and you kind of forget that, again, I, I kind of forget that I got this background. 
So I'm working for a year. They laid me off, not because of what I did, because they just had no work. So I said, okay, I'll just go get another job. Every application I put in, they see that on the application. They're like, no, no, no. One person said, you're not getting in here. I'm like, wow, you're kind of harsh. So, again, all this time, Benny, uh, Fabiola, comforting me, letting me know. I try to get you a job. I talk to somebody over here. You know, it's just nice to have somebody that look at you in your face and see who you are now and not what they see on the sheet of paper. And, and, and that's, uh, that's a blessing. So I am uh, forever thankful for those two uh, individuals, and I just really uh, appreciate them and others that have helped me along the way. Uh, ended up getting a, a decent job. Uh, it's funny, I couldn't get a job at Walmart, but now I work at Wheaton College. <laughs> I have a, uh, I'm in a janitorial position, and I, uh, you know, somebody vouched for me there. You know, again, somebody looking at me today and saying, this guy's going to make it. Somebody vouched for me. I don't want to say he put his job on the line, but he definitely put his name on the line. And they said, you need to let this guy in here. Now, my application sat on somebody's desk for like 10 months. I had to, my, it had to go beyond HR. It went all the way up to the president of the college desk. And one day, we know that God just orchestrated all this. The president told the HR lady, he said, if you say you can come in here, you can come in here. Just like that. And then she gave me the call. I kind of gave up. I was working temp jobs. I was just working anywhere I had to work. Because, you know, I got got bills now. I'm like a regular person. I got credit cards. uh, So, yeah, it, it, it was a painful situation. There was times when I was wondering... You know, I'm saved, and, and you know, I'm not, I don't want to say that that don't mean anything, but what it did show me was that even though you save, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through anything. So, me being a, a guy, I, don't, I like to earn my own money, I don't like to ask anybody for anything. It was just a tough time being denied all those jobs. So, again, it, it's just ironic that Walmart wouldn't allow me to put food on the shelf, but Wheaton College allowed me to be around hundreds of college students with no problem. Uh, so I am grateful, uh, grateful to uh, share this story with you. Uh, and then I was wondering, why am I telling you all my business? Uh, <laughs> it's simply this. Uh, if, if anybody has any doubt, anything that you have done, anything that you have done that was contrary to the word of God, any sin that you have committed, if you see that God could transform me, because... I was guilty for what I went to. There's a lot of people say they didn't do what they did. We know I did what I did. And if God can transform me to who I am today, I believe he can transform anybody. Thank you.